Hello, this is the Sutter Faction Podcast. I'm Evan Sutter. I hope you've been enjoying some of the talks on the show. If you're here, chances are you have, so thank you very much. If you're new to Sutter Faction, you've arrived just in time for season three. Over the last two seasons, 16 episodes, we've covered some pretty important topics and put out there some interesting and at times gritty and unique ideas all with the intention of planting seeds to look at things a little differently so we can construct a life worth living, a connected, engaged, playful, interesting and interested one at that. Or, as philosopher Nietzsche would say, so we can avoid the unlived life. No ads, no long-winded promotions, just gritty talks. If you like satisfaction, please give it a rating and review. Thanks again. So let's dive in. This is episode 17, the first of season 3, 2022. It is titled, 12 Ideas to Construct a Life Worth Living. This is idea 1. For this episode, I'll look at the first idea only just to keep it short and engaging for you. Join me over the next few months to hear the complete list of 12 ideas for, for living that real good life. As usual, you can learn more about me and get in contact at evansutter.com or evsutter on Instagram. So here is number one. 12 ideas to construct a life worth living. One, give up. Yep, give up. So much of what we are told isn't really that helpful. We are told to chase and strive, to never stop, to just do it, to hustle, to wake up at 4am and keep pushing. But nothing good ever came to the person who doesn't compete, who doesn't get down and dirty. You get the picture. You know the picture. It's everywhere. Should we keep on going? Should we never give up? Things change. Values, priorities, goals, relationships, ideas. You should be able to change with them. If you are going to do damage to your body, stop running. If you are tired, take a nap. If your job stinks, quit. If your husband or wife is not very nice and doesn't want to change, leave them. And I know life is not that simple, but bear with me. It's funny what we value, what has become shareable. So many people have told me about David Goggins, the the ultra marathon runner, by replaying the same story of how he kept on running severely dehydrated, in danger of kidney failure, urinating blood, and risking his life in the process. They all speak of this deed with tremendous awe and respect. And they speak of his loud, tough, and abrupt messaging to his fans about never giving up with that same awe and respect too. Maybe it is just me, but great awe isn't my first thought. Instead, it was more along the lines of, I wonder what the long-term damage is of not listening to your body for so long, and of being so hard on oneself. Why would you destroy your body and your health to keep running? You're not running away from a tiger. The body is actually telling you to stop. Listen to it. Who knows what long-term damage you've done? Well, time will only tell. But I'd love to hear his motivational talks in 25 years. Wheel that wheelchair to the nursing home diner. Fast. Don't quit. You are strong. But somehow, these kinds of messages have become what's shareable today. What gains respect and followers. It's a commonly held misconception that if we are hard on ourselves, we will be more motivated and driven. 
but we will succeed more. The inner critic is often seen as the taskmaster, but if we don't listen to this loud, berating, harsh and critical voice, then we will become a slob and stay at home in bed eating chocolate all day. A common fallacy is that the inner critic is highly necessary in order to achieve and maintain productive momentum. Let's examine this belief. Interestingly, researchers found that self-criticism is not an effective motivator because it tends to undermine our self-confidence, increase procrastination and leads to a fear of failure. Whereas if we are kinder, more accepting of our inadequacies, we will still be motivated to achieve our goals, but not because we perceive ourselves as inadequate and failures, but because we care about ourselves and regard reaching our full potential as important and enriching. Now that's a huge difference between what Mr. Goggins is promoting. A quick look at the research and literature on self-compassion from people like Chris and Neff, Tara Brach and Sam Solly, to name just a few, demonstrates what a healthier and more effective approach looks like. Looking up to people like David Goggins, a retired Navy SEAL, with no doubt a lot of trauma, a lot of which probably manifests in his berating inner critic, and then moves into his unhealthy motivational talks to millions of others. Others with likely the same berating inner voices, which then only perpetuates the problem. Maybe we shouldn't be listening to David Goggins. Maybe we should be giving him a hug. Because it is this same damaging inner critic that is especially rife in minority groups and leads to a whole range of other more complex issues. Much of what we are told are big business lies. You will never be Steve Jobs. It doesn't matter if you wake up at 3am every day and never give up. To be Steve Jobs, you would have had to live in Northern California in the mid-1970s. Six months earlier or later, and you probably don't exist. He is not exceptional. He grew up at the right time in the right area. The same reason why a majority of NHL players are born in the months from January to March. They're not the ones who simply didn't give up. They are the ones who are slightly older, bigger, more developed than their younger teammates and opponents, and thus made the junior representative teams, giving them access to better coaches, better teammates, and better resources. They aren't the ones who kept on going. They're the ones born in a particular month. You can't do everything you want. Despite its popularity, you can't manifest your dreams. We can't do it all. We can't be it all. Growth, bigger, better, more, different. It's tiring. It's stressful. It always takes us out of wherever we are and puts us in an imaginary future. We get stuck in all the I'll be happy when scenarios. When I get that promotion, that partner, when my investments soar, when I get faster. If we were always racing ahead, improving, competing, when do we ever stop? When is enough ever enough? When do we get to enjoy our lives and the people in it? Buddhist monk and Zen master Thich Nhat Hanh would say, letting go gives us freedom, and freedom is the only condition for happiness. If, in our heart, we still cling to anything, anger, anxiety or possessions, we cannot be free. When we give ourselves the time to stop and reflect, we can see all of our habits more clearly. All of our, our ideas and our conditioning. Does my mind always return to the same thought patterns, the same desires? 
when we let go of how we hope things will be and become content with how they really are, we can then delve more deeply into the present moment and answer important questions with more clarity and composure. We, be- we can become more aware of our conditioning and biases and just that might be the birthplace of a truer, more authentic life. In Learning from the Heart by Daniel Gottlieb, Gottlieb writes that hope is always about the future and it isn't always good news. Sometimes hope can imprison us with belief or expectation that something will happen in the future to change our lives. Similarly, hopelessness isn't always about despair. Hopelessness can bring us right into this very moment and answer all of life's most difficult questions. Who am I? Where am I? What does this mean and what now? This is letting go. This is giving up. And when we let go of how we hope things to be and become content with how they really are. And of course, hope is also important. It can allow us to get through difficult times. It can remind us that things are always changing and impermanent. What is hopeful could soon be hopeless and back again. But there is a difference between a continual grasping, a reaching out and a pushing away. When we grasp so tightly for something, it leaves us little room for anything else. Living future-facing prevents us from finding joy right now, or even from trying. Why would we? It's going to be better just over there. Don't keep on charging ahead if it's negatively impacting the other important areas of your life. I recently stepped away from the company I founded, and to be honest, I should have done it about a year earlier. My energy, passion, vitality was zapped way back then. But I got sucked into the idea of creating that great organization. I got trapped in a title, where we are what we do. Maybe it would have been better for me to go with what I felt, to go with what we feel. But when we are always running from one task or goal or place to another, we can often get further away from knowing what we actually feel. You know, when you're super busy with multiple tasks, the last thing you have time for is to stop and see how you're feeling. In the heat of an argument, we rarely stop and think, gee, I can feel I'm getting angry. Swiss psychiatrist Carl Jung believes we suffer because we fail to understand and feel the unseen and unheard parts of our psyches. Getting lost in the pursuit of more, better, different, this idea of persistence at all costs, of never giving up, can zap our zest and energy for life right here. In fact, zap it everywhere. I've found more recently, luckily, But the beauty found in the peace and contentment of not always desiring, not always grasping, not always yearning, is far more fulfilling and far more satisfying than the feeling we get from actually acquiring something, or even from achieving something. This is the tranquility or ataraxia that philosopher Epicurus was so interested in. And in Buddhism, tranquility is one of the seven factors of awakening, or one of the seven precious treasures. One, leaves us always wanting more and always living from a place of lack. The other, full of the peace, joy, contentment that the other will always, always be seeking. And yes, I'm not denying that we do learn so much about ourselves and the world around us when we dive deep into things, when we push our bodies, our minds, our limits, when we try new things, when we challenge our boundaries. And of course, we can only achieve certain things after a great deal of effort and work. That's true and important. But it also takes great courage and skill to know when it is a a fear of failure or ego or competition or identity that is keeping us there, that is keeping us going. 
when perhaps letting go and giving up is actually what is more helpful now and in the future. For if we hold on too long, what else will we miss? And maybe that's what it all comes down to, right? What else will we miss? We don't live forever and sometimes not long at all. Living in San Francisco, I would constantly see entrepreneurs pushing themselves to the brink of destruction, manic, sick, overwhelmed, stressed, to the point that many did long-term damage to their health, their relationships, their mental capacities. In doing so, they missed the chance to live in and explore a vibrant and really cool city, the thing that probably took them there in the first place. They struggled to find anything that resembled balance, and it prevented them from having a full life that had many, many layers. They failed to see that everything connects to everything else. Work, vocation, love, health, joy, interest, movement, sleep. And in grasping so tightly to an idea, they left too little room for the other great aspects of life just outside their window. We too often associate courage with pushing ourselves, working hard, making huge sacrifices. But what if we used our courage to motivate us to give up? The courage to foster a deeper awareness, to notice that the path we are taking may be harmful to our health and our relationships. And brave enough to take an unclear path, one that is uncertain and one less driven by ego and capitalist motives and more driven by values, meaning and purpose. It takes tremendous skill to enjoy life wherever you are, to dance in the beauty of all those seemingly insignificant moments. Is it better to give up the pursuit or at the very least make sure it is a more balanced endeavor so we can take up all that is already here? Because there is a beautiful life here to be lived. Sometimes we just need to give up on all those constructed and ingrained ideas first. Freeing up energy and space along the way for new things, for a renewed curiosity, for new tasks, new plans and a chance to collect new experiences. Thank you for listening. See you next week as we move through the full 12 ideas for constructing a life worth living. Please give Satisfaction a rate and review. Stay up to date at FSAT on Instagram and find out more about my upcoming talks and workshops, my books, and online course at evansutter.com. And if you're after a new read or a cool gift for a friend, check out my book, Awake. I'm Evan Sutter. More construction work to come. Enjoy.